It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, for more information on the show, all you have to do is reach out to us on our social media platforms. Reach out to us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can head there now, like us there now, and follow us there. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app like Podcast One or Spotify and subscribe and follow Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We begin this morning with our good friend, New York Times bestselling author and former National Teacher of the Year, Sharon Draper, who taught for over 25 years right here in Cincinnati at Walnut Hills High School. We're also joined by Jory Edlin. He's with Huntington Learning Centers. They're here this morning with tips and information on helping young people improve their studying skills. It's our pleasure to welcome Sharon Draper and Jory Edlin to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Hey, Rodney. Thanks for having us on. Uh, No problem. So, Jory, tell me about your background. You're with Huntington. Tell me about what you guys do there. Okay. I am the operations manager at Huntington Learning Center in Anderson. We have – I was a math teacher for many years before I did this. And um, so we have, uh, my math joke of the day, three halves of our business. We teach basic skills, so um, letters and numbers and sounds and colors uh, to kids who are pre-K through third grade. Um, Third through around sixth, sometimes ninth, we teach general study skills. So we teach um, uh, kids how to read, so the five sub-skills of comprehension, being able to get uh, the main idea, uh, being able to isolate the important facts, uh, being able to inference, being able to figure out what caused what to happen and why is that important to the reading, uh, being able to see what happened or understand what happened in what um, order that happened. We also teach uh, then the higher level skills about note-taking. So uh, what do you write down when the teacher's talking? Everybody knows if a teacher writes something on the board, you automatically write that down. But there are other things uh, and there are other cues that you can use to figure out what's important when the teacher's talking and and. Uh, giving a lecture, um, and then annotating, so being able to underline what you've read and and so that when you go back to study, you have something to study from. Okay. Now, Ms. Draper, we've had you, we recently had you on the show. You talked about your book, Blended, and you talked about so much more. But let's talk about your books are required reading in a lot of schools, a lot of curriculums throughout the United States, around the world as well. Um, what do you hear back from teachers about the curriculum and the, the books that you put out? Because, and one thing about you that I must say, I love your website because you have so much information for students to look at, to prepare. Thank you. My website's being redone. I am about to hatch a brand new egg, but teaching and learning has not changed, but teaching and learning has changed significantly. <laughs> you know, so what I'm saying is, like, I'm glad what Jordy is offering because teachers don't often have time to do that anymore. And with online learning and distance learning, and learning uh, while we're all sitting in little boxes uh, on a screen is very, very different. It takes different parts of the brain to process. Mm -hmm. Many, many children, I fear, are falling behind 
because it's so complicated now, the process of learning. They have nobody to hold their hand and walk them through and show them that if you underline that, you might remember it more, you know, that Mm. kind of thing. So I worry about our kids and how they're learning. So we're going to start about a lot of times people ask me, well, how do you come up with the topics for your show? And this is one that's really close to home. So I have two boys and they're both in high school and I hope they're not listening right now because I'm telling on them right now. (laughs) But, you know, you get to a point and they start studying for a test and it's like, well, how are you really studying? And I don't know if it's something that they're teaching in school or not. So I just wanted to address this in, in this forum. So we brought you guys, you experts in here. So let's talk about that. You know, on a junior high and high school level, are students being taught how to study? What are you guys seeing? What do you know? Well, my personal experience is schools stopped uh, teaching study skills as a separate uh, entity many, many years ago. They filtered some of the skills into uh, language arts classes or other classes, but the uh, study skills, being able to take notes, annotate when reading, and um, those kind of skills are, are not taught uh, as a separate set of skills. I think they should be, however. A lot of English teachers teach study skills without calling it that. You know, for example, if they assign a book and they say, okay, this is how you read and study the book, but not all of them do it anymore. Yeah, that's my experience. That's our experience as well. So let's start at the beginning here. Um, Let's talk about studying and studying skills. So if a high school student, if they're studying, how many hours should they be dedicating to a particular um, subject. Um, what, <laughs> I heard someone laughing. <laughs> what do we know here? What What's the suggestion there? Way more than what they want to. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Our experience is we get kids who come in and some of them uh, say they, they spend 20 minutes or a half an hour uh, a day on homework and some of our kids uh, say they spend six hours a day, four days a week, and their parents back that up. And I, I think the reality is it's got to be somewhere in between. Um, I always recommend that if you have that question, ask the teacher. When I taught math, I told my kids that um, I was a mean math teacher. I assigned homework every night, but it was only 20 minutes or so. Uh, and if they were spending more than 30 minutes on it, then we needed to talk because there was something else going on. Um, so the first best uh, source is ask the teacher. Some uh, teachers have higher expectations, expect more homework, and then the class makes the difference. So if you're taking AP Calculus BC, you might have to spend an hour uh, on average or maybe an hour and a half average every night um, more more studying before tests. But something like uh, geometry um, might take less time. So let's talk about this now. A lot of people like to cram for tests, adults and kids. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls there? So cramming for tests is always a bad idea. It it does not yield uh, good results in learning or education. Um, the best thing that can happen is that uh, a, a kid can cram for a test and do well on the test. But then what's going to happen is the information is going to go away. They're going to forget what they were cramming because they crammed it in a very short period of time. 
Another thing that happens right. when you cram is it creates stress because you're in a hurry and you're trying to do it last minute, and uh, that makes learning more difficult and studying less effective. Right. Cramming isn't learning. Cramming is stuffing information in your brain, you know, like stuffing mashed potatoes in your mouth <laughs> before dinner. It's not okay. efficient. And in case you're just tuning in, we're talking about studying skills with New York Times bestselling author and former National Teacher of the Year, Sharon Draper. We're also speaking to Jory Edlin. He's with Huntington Learning Centers. For more information on the show, you can like us and follow us on our social media platforms, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on Air or listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and follow Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Now, studying has a lot to do with organization. Let's talk about organization and why it's so important. And what would you guys suggest here? Um, back in the olden days, I used to tell kids, get a red folder for English, a green folder for math, or you know, so that you have some sort of organizational system. Kids are much more adept at doing that same kind of thing, putting materials in folders, on their phones, on their computers, on their laptops. Uh, but there has to be some sort of organization because their minds are full of lots of things, and school is really not the most important thing that is on their mind. It's, you know, what's going on, what's going to be on television, what's, um, you know, what is that girl down the street doing, that kind of thing. So organization is extremely important so that we know where things are. Um, I think students could probably teach us how to do it. Oh, well, you the way to create an online folder is to do this. They could teach me how to do that. But <laughs> regardless of the method, the, the means are necessary. It's absolutely necessary to have some sort of an organization so that your brain knows how to process the material. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, being organized is a, is a critical skill to learning in school, learning in the workplace, and functioning in life. Uh, it's often not an innate skill, as uh, Sharon pointed out. It's a skill. It's a skill, and, and has sub skills that need to be learned. So you need to be able to break projects into tasks. You need to schedule those tasks. You need to plan out method. You know how you're going to attack a project, um, and uh, also, like Sharon said, you need to be able to organize the the paperwork, uh, whether it be online or um, physically in in folders. When I was a kid, and I used to study, I used to study with the music on in the background, and I had my TV on. And I'm sure, looking back on that, and I have kids of my own now, I'm sure that's not the best, the most ideal situation. Let's talk about the environment, the study environment. What should that look like? What should that feel like? Actually, a lot of kids need music to study. They need noise. They need clutter in the background. Their lives are much more complicated and uh, full <laughs> with, with things that when I was in school. So um, if, and I tell, I used to tell my kids, if, if it helps you to play music, that's fine. You know, if, you pl if you're going to get up and dance and lose yourself, then that's too much. But <laughs> if music soothes you and helps you to study, that's absolutely fine. Some people learn in silence. 
Some people need noise around them. Some people need the chatter of other people around them in order to study. Um, They have to find the thing that works for them. So if you know that you're a person who gets distracted, if you hear that song one more time and you have to play the song over and over again and you forget what you were doing because you got focused on the song. But many children learn best with background music or background noise. Okay. Yes, Sharon's exactly right. Um, distractions are an anathema to effective studying, um, and multitasking is not effective. Uh, every time we return to an unfinished task uh, that we left in the middle, it takes more time to get that to get back on task and to get started again and to, to get that task completed. But studies have shown that music in the background. Um, stimulate certain brain synapses that enhance learning. Um, we, I learned um, from research a long time ago, classical music uh, has been shown to in- increase mathematics mm-hmm. learning and um, uh, sco- test scores. Um, yes. But having a TV on or another video device, talking on the phone or any kind of other uh, things that might be a distraction are uh, going to um, make studying less effective. Okay, I even read online that it's not a good idea since we're talking about environments. So, first of all, I wasn't doing anything terribly wrong when I was listening to my music back in the 80s while I was studying. So that's no. good. That's good to know. And But the other thing is that they say don't study in bed as well. Have you guys heard that? And does that um, make sense? I, I believe, and I haven't, done, I haven't read any research on this, that being in a relaxed environment is more is conducive to learning. Um, being relaxed and being able to concentrate, um, I get more done when I'm listening to the radio when I'm here at work. I can't work from my bed, so I don't, I, that, that doesn't apply. <laughs> but I think that kids can read in bed, they can study in bed. If, however, they need to be sitting up in order to take notes or something like that, or they need piles of papers in certain order, and if you spread it all out on the bed, it's going to get disorganized, then those things would uh, interfere. Now, I was just going to say, I wouldn't limit them. It's like, if you study on your bed with your stuff spread out all over and your dog on your feet, that's fine, as Mm -hmm. long as it works for you. Okay. But, you know... uh, as long as they have a system that works and there's an organizational plan somewhere in the back there. Um, kids today are very different. I mean, they didn't go to school at all for months, so uh, we've got to give them a little space. All right, good, good. So this is my thing. Um, when we talk about studying, for me, one of the hardest subjects, I think, to study for me is math. And me and my wife, we got into this whole argument about now, how to study for math, and you can't really study for math, but it's one of those subjects that requires something, a different outlook for me. Um, what tips or what advice can you offer to students that are studying math? Nothing ha- at all. I having, having, <laughs> having been a math teacher for many years, I do have some, uh, I do okay. have some ideas on that subject, um, and, and I, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be politically incorrect here, but we don't teach math correctly in this country. We we, we just don't. Um, and I won't I go into it because we'll be here all day. But uh, what I can do is, what I can say is, is to give advice. So the first thing that um, a student needs to do is, is learn how to read a math book. We, the teachers don't teach how to read a math book. Math books are organized to teach a skill or a process 
then they pro it provides examples. Uh, it is important for students to read the examples and understand what's happening and why. And that's not something that's easy to do. It's 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 difficult. You have to read it and maybe read it again and again and again and again. And so you'll go through the uh, section in your math book, and there'll be four examples. And you read through the four examples, and you try and figure out. You know why they're doing what they're doing. There are explanations in the books, and mm -hmm. uh, and of course there, there's online stuff. Um, so then, when you get to your homework, uh, practice problems. Um, if you get stuck as a student, uh, go back to the example that matches the problem and follow those steps, and you'll wind up with the right answer. Hmm. I wish I'd had you as a math teacher. I've never <laughs> had good math teachers. <laughs> I had uh, good are, reading and English teachers. I never had a good math teacher. I really yeah. didn't. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go to you, uh, Ms. Draper. You know, you're known for, you worked in the Cincinnati public school system for years, and you were known for the Draper paper for students that are writing research papers for English. What are some tips that you can offer them? Again, I think it goes back to the organization. Okay. Uh, whether you're doing your notes online or you're, you're writing your notes out on in a notebook. Uh, it takes organization. It takes there's so research is so much easier now because I used to have to go to the library, check out a book, <laughs> and find the book that supported the research. Now I can just click someplace and I can find the information. But it's still the process of you know, step one is a plan. Step two is fleshing out the plan. Step three is making the plan make sense and then revising and revising. So there is a, a, a hill, that a mountain that needs to be climbed in order to do that. But it's easier now because the process of finding the information for research is at your fingertips now. Makes sense. So if you have a novel, per se, and you're, a, you know, a child is reading a novel or a student is reading a novel, is that the best way to go about studying? I guess the best thing with a novel, you got to read the novel first. That's one of the most, the, the key tips to, to studying for a, yeah. a, a novel, right? Yes. The thing about reading novels and doing book reports and doing those kinds of English papers are... All you have to do is click on the name of the book and you can find, here are the answers to any study question that might be given to you. I mean, it's it's there at their fingertips. So kids don't do the research the same way they used to, but you have to read the book and understand the book. I used to tell them to ask yourself questions. You know, what do you think about this character? Explain why you think this character did this action what might have happened if the character had made a different decision. So they have to think about the process of the story. But the but doing it now is very, very different than it used to be because 90% of the books that they have kids read in school, that study guide is already posted. Mm. I hate that. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning, we're talking about studying and studying tips for youngsters. On the phone with me is New York Times bestselling author and former National Teacher of the Year, Sharon Draper. We're also joined by Jory Edlin. He's with Huntington Learning Centers. 
Now, when I was in school, I wrote a lot of things down. I used note cards, created my own flashcards. In this very digital world, is writing things down still a good way to study? And what do you suggest to young people here? Absolutely.、Um, yeah, using technology to take notes and、um, to record things that you want to go back to can be as good as as, as writing. Writing makes the learning process physical. And a lot of kids learn by doing, and doing in this、uh, regard is、um, is writing. And so, actually, writing stuff down is potentially going to seat the information in the brain better. But some kids, and probably more kids now than when I was young, can do、mm-hmm. the same thing when they're、uh, when they're typing on the computer.、Uh, they can just as easily、mm-hmm. make、uh, flashcards on their computer and print them out,、um, or just have them. Flash by in a PowerPoint presentation or what have you. So、uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not cut and dried.、Um, and and again, like、uh, Sharon said, the student needs to figure out what's going to work for herself. You know, this is the the, the modern day dilemma for parents. You know, your child everything is on computer. Their textbook is on computer. The, sometimes their novels are on computer. So when I go and knock on the door, hey, you doing your homework? Yeah, and they have the computer, so I don't know if they're actually studying, and or if they're playing, you, you know, playing with their friends, you know, on you know, a video game with their friend online. I mean, how do we know as parents? Of course, we got to trust them, but that is a, a huge dilemma for us parents. What can can you guys help us out? I can't. <laughs> One thing I can say about that is parental controls.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I can say is、um, meddling parents. Be a meddling parent. Don't be a helicopter parent, but be a a, a parent who's interested and annoying to your your child.、Um, yes. If you check on what they're doing, you can you can see.、Um, I have we have a lot of parents who the first thing they do if their kids are struggling in school or their grades fall is they take the phone away once they get home. And I mean, so they can have a phone for emergencies. They can have a phone when they're in school, but when they're studying, they're sitting in a room on a computer. Parental controls are keeping them on、uh, on on what they're supposed to be on, and、uh, and and pop your head in and take a look and see what's on the screen. Okay, I agree. It's、uh, it's it's very very different now. Many many kids are way more adept at doing things and hiding. Uh, what they shouldn't be doing、mm-hmm. on the computer, they're very, very good at it. So yes, if you have a good relationship with your kids and you, you know, and it's like, okay, show me what you've done, bring me your work, show me this. Teacher told you to do this. Let me see how you did it. That kind of thing. So they know that you are checking on their progress is kind of what we we have to do now. It's、mm-hmm. different. All right, good. So let's talk about asking for help now. When do you know when you should ask for additional help outside the classroom? If you are a student and you're struggling in a certain subject, at what point do you need to kind of raise your hand and consider help? What do you guys suggest? Well, as a parent,、um, I would tell a parent to talk to your child's teachers.、Um, homework time, test taking skills, anxiety. Uh, test taking anxiety,、uh, fighting over homework, not turning in assignments are all alarm bells that you can see、uh, as a parent. But if you、um, if you talk to your child's teachers, the teacher may say, "Yeah, he's not turning in his homework."、Um, 
but he's turning in 80% of it, and so then you wouldn't be worried. Um, on the other hand, if your daughter is turning in 10% of her homework, you need to find out why, and that's where professional help will come into play. No child wakes up in the morning and says, you know, today I really, really want to fail. And so what happens is when they start to, to um, lose uh confidence and when they start to worry about whether they're going to actually be able to answer the homework questions correctly, uh, sometimes they'll just say, well, if I don't turn it in, I can't fail because I didn't turn it in. And that's a that should be a big red flag. Yeah. And because of the pandemic, things have changed. Rules have changed. The, uh, the whole parameters of learning have changed. Um, we've gone from in a classroom to um, online learning to having meetings with teachers in little boxes on a screen. Uh, the whole process of learning has changed. So it's important for parents to keep up with what their students are doing. Okay, we know you're 100% online, but take a look at this and and let, let's go over this. So you still have to check on what they're doing. The teachers do give assignments and they do follow up with those assignments, regardless of the method now that they're doing it. So uh, parents have to be responsible enough to check on their students and say, okay, I know your teacher gave you a research report. Show me what you've done. Show me what you've turned in. And make it a requirement that, you, you know, we, I, I have to see whatever it is you're turning in. And if you establish that, early in the school year, then you have uh, a precedent to follow. But it's so hard for so many kids. Um, you know, we have kids who don't have computers. They don't have access. They can only use the computer for an hour because they have four siblings, and each sibling has to share the computer time, and they're on different grades with different teachers in different classrooms. So it's difficult. Parents just have to kind of stay on top of it, whatever the situation may be. Yeah, Sharon's exactly right. Um, parents need to be involved, and the sooner you start getting involved um, at, a, at, a, at a young age, the, the more your, your child will be used to it. Um, I would like to add, though, that when you do um, see your child's work, if you are – if you can uh, avoid being critical of it or avoid giving advice mm -hmm. and just – just see that the assignment's complete and compliment or um you know tell your your child um how uh, you know how good how great it is that the assignment is complete um and and boost their confidence and also um avoid conflicting with them uh, we have a lot of parents who are more expert at whatever it is the kid's doing and they want to make the kid better at it and they want to give the kid advice and they want to um, help the kid get better. And not all kids listen to their parents the same way they listen to teachers. <laughs> all right. Well, that makes me yeah, feel uh, really good. Recognition always works better than criticism. Even little things. Oh, man, you did that one thing so well. That gives me encouragement to go do the second thing or the third thing. But criticism is going to make me stop completely. Okay, so that makes me feel really good about my son. He had, a, he had to write a paper. I said, can I read it? He said, no. He was like, no, no, I don't. I said, well, just show me. 
and I flipped through it and I saw he did it was the assignment was supposed to be four pages double spaced and I saw four pages double spaced and I left it there. I saw that he did it. I did want to get in there and correct grammar and all that other kind of stuff, but <laughs> I respected the way he was. So I guess in that situation, I did the correct thing. But in my mind, I still felt like, okay, I should have been doing more. I should have, you know, proofread it and things like that. But based on what you guys are saying, I feel good about what I did. As you, you did. should. Okay, good, <laughs> you good. Did good. You did good, Rodney. Okay, so here's another dilemma. You know, I have teenage boys, and so I feel like I'm raising young men, and I want them to grow up to be responsible young men. So when I say that, you know, did you talk to the teacher? Did you need additional help? I'm trying to encourage them to take the first steps. I don't want to take the first steps. You should be a responsible young man and approach your teacher. I'll do the background following up and checking up if I have to. But I want you to be responsible enough, your teenager, to make the initial contact with the teacher. Is that the right approach or what do you guys suggest or what should um, we see here? I think that's it's absolutely the right approach. Um, I just had a conversation with a ninth grader the other day on this this issue, uh, the big issue of, of, of students asking uh, for help. First of all, I said I asked him if he raises his hand in class when he doesn't understand something, and he said, "No, never." And I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Because it's embarrassing." And I said, well, have you ever heard that if you don't understand something or if you have a question, somebody else in the classroom also has that question? He said, yes. And I said, do you believe it? And he said, yes. And I said, so are you going to raise your hand in class? And he said, no. (laughs) It's embarrassing. I'm not going to do it. I said, okay, so what are you going to do? Another thing we ask our kids is, how do you feel about asking help privately? And so, Rodney, this is the first thing. you're 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 on the right track. The first thing is to to uh, tell your son if he needs help to ask the teacher for help, and you can do that before school or after school or when the teacher's um, on break or whatever uh, uh, planning planning period. Um, if he doesn't do that, or or um, yeah, then you need to take over. If he does do that, then he's more likely to take ownership because he's driving the process, and he's more likely to get out to get more out of the help uh, that he gets. Um, it, once once you've decided he's not going to do it, then uh, you go to the teacher yourself and you find out you know, how far behind he is, how much help he might need, uh, and, and where he can get that help. Because teachers in schools keep uh, lists of tutors. Uh, they keep lists of agencies mm-hmm. that, that, that have, have mm-hmm. served their students, um, and, and that's a good resource. Absolutely. And again, this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. More information about the show can be found if you follow us on our social media platforms, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and follow us there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air or listen to the show anytime you like. Follow and subscribe at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on your favorite podcast app. On the phone with me now is New York Times bestselling author and former National Teacher of the Year, Right here from Cincinnati, Sharon Draper. We're also speaking to Jory Edlin. He's with Huntington Learning Centers. Now, any additional tips or advice you can give to our listeners in terms of studying? Um, don't make it a chore. Don't make it something horrible. Uh, make it enjoyable. Give them breaks. Uh, say, I, I, I know you've got two hours of homework, but... Let's run out for five minutes. Go get some ice cream and come back. And Okay, we're going to finish up. You know, 
make it so that the learning has at least not painful connotations. <laughs> if the study process is has some reward to it, uh, as a parent, you don't reward them every time they do their homework, but every once in a while, um, a celebration of something. Oh, wow, you got a B on that test. That's wonderful. You know, and that doesn't, I don't mean giving them money and, you know, that kind of thing. You get $5 for every A or that, nothing that trite. I'm talking about general encouragement, uh, change of pace, change of scene. The weather's getting nicer. It's like, let's go outside. Uh, let's shoot some basketball for a couple of minutes and then get back to work. That kind of thing. Uh, so that you are a part of the process without being a taskmaster. You're the parent. You love them. You're the only one that really cares whether they survive or not. Mm-hmm. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them as much encouragement as you can and function with smiles rather than criticism. All right. Good advice. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, parents spend a lot of time criticizing and those who do not get better results. The one thing that I struggle with my entire teaching career was trying to get homework not to be homework. The term homework has such a negative connotation. So I called it practice work. And in math, you have to practice in order to get good at anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I never succeeded in, in fooling anybody on that. So good luck. (laughs) <laughs> well, I wish I'd had you for a math teacher. I never had very good math teachers. I never did. They made it a task and a problem. Okay, these are your problems now. Yep. You know, yep. rather than a joy to learn. And uh, so I would have loved to have had you as a, a teacher. Right. I might have done better in math. All right. Uh, I'm sure you would. Very, very quickly, you know, we we talked about technology and you have to be up with the times. Um, What resources at all do you guys recommend online? You know, if the kids want to turn to something, a resource online, what is there any that you know of that you recommend that you like? What should parents know here? The the Internet is huge. It's humongous. It's 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 unending. I, I struggle with this when people ask me because I don't know the the again the the school uses certain software packages so there are there are packages for um, learn, teaching math uh, teaching English and coming up with study sheets and the like um, so I would say parents should first check with the teacher check with the uh, school counselor, uh, check with the special ed people in your school. Not that your kid needs maybe uh, that amount of help, but they have a lot of resources um, that they use, and they'll be more familiar with uh, what's good, what's effective, and what's not. Good point. Ms. Draper? Um, Focus on the joy and not on the pain. (laughs) Okay, focus on the joy and not the pain. That's a good that's a good point because um, some kids will find a video on YouTube to learn how to do something, and uh, and and if they find one they like, or if they find a uh, YouTube channel where there are a, there is a person or people that they like um, and that makes it seem fun, uh, then they're more likely to engage. They're more likely to uh, to learn whatever it is they're they're working on. All right, mm-hmm. I agree. 
And again this morning, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to New York Times bestselling author and former National Teacher of the Year, Sharon Draper. Also speaking to Jory Edland with Huntington Learning Centers. They're here this morning with tips and information on how to improve your studying skills. Now, we're running out of time this morning, but on the book front, Ms. Draper, what are you working on and what can we look forward to soon from you? I'm working on a new book. should be out in the fall if I ever finish it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's due out in the fall. All right. I can't tell you the title, but it's coming. And, Jory, if our listeners would like to find out more about Huntington Learning Centers, how can they find out more? So you can call 1-800-CAN-LEARN. And that's our uh, call center, our main number. Uh, it serves the entire country uh, to find out about Huntington. And if anybody's looking for a part-time job, we are we're in dire need of, of good uh, teachers to tutor our kids. Hmm. All right. Good to know. All right. We're out of time. Thank you guys for spending so much time with me this morning. I really do appreciate it. You're, you are helping me out a lot because I am facing this issue. And so I really appreciate it. I've been taking notes. I will re-listen to this interview again uh, to make sure I'm doing things right. Thank you so much. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And thanks, Rodney. It's been a pleasure.